I will be continuing the Fruit of the Spirit series. Uh, we're doing the last two of, of the Fruit of the Spirit. And so when Pastor Charlie said he was going to be gone, he asked me to uh, do the last two. And I thought, how cool is that? I'm a word nerd, and I get to preach about one word. And then it's, it's gentleness. This, is, this week is gentleness. And most of you who know me think, what in the world does this guy know about that? Well, we're going to find out what the Bible has to say about it, and all of us are going to learn. But I love words. I use a lot of them every day, all day. Those of you who know me know that. And so I thought, how good is that? I get to preach the sermon about one word. Words are important. Words are significant. In the words of that great philosopher from 1977, Barry Gibbs, I want to share with you about words. Now, those of you who don't, three people know who Barry Gibbs is. How many of you know who Barry Gibbs is? Come on. Okay. Of Bee Gees. Okay. Now you remember in the distant past. So here's what that great philosopher said in 1977. It's only words, and words are all I have. To take your heart away. If you remember Barry Gibbs, you remember that silly little quick vibrato, you know. Okay. Well, here's the thing. It's only a word. But words are all we have to communicate the great truths of God's word. The great truths about God. They say communication is 7% what you say. 38% how you say it, 55% your body language. I have a challenge for you. If body language is so important and how you say something is so important, you try doing all of that without any words. It makes that 7% pretty significant, doesn't it? Uh, you, You just look like an idiot, uh, you know, prancing around on stage if you're trying to communicate with no words. I mean, unless you're a mime. They seem to do a pretty decent job of it. But words are what we have. And so today's word is gentleness. Uh, As I I was preparing and talking about words, uh, I I don't know if I made the mistake or the, you know, whatever it was of, of asking Matt Padilla, our children's pastor and young adult pastor, Matt Padilla and Samantha Vargas, who works on our staff and is involved in the young adult ministry. <clears throat> so she's a 20-something. Matt's a 20-something wannabe, uh, but he, and he works with those guys, so he hangs out with them all the time. I said, so talk to me about a word that your generation would use that you think I wouldn't know. Because I remember, you know, back in the 70s when we, were, when we were all groovy and cool, dude, and all that stuff, when our parents tried to use those words, it was just like, come on, just stop it. Right? Okay, so I asked them, and they said, yeet. They said, you know that word? I said, been using that all my life. And they were like, what? No, no, that's bad. That's, that's latest, one of the hottest, latest words. You know, that's only, that's only months old. And uh, I said, oh, no, I've been using it all my life. They, they go, what, do you, what does it mean then? They were going to test me. I go, uh. somebody goes, yeet. I go, not yet, but I'm hungry. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in Missouri. I'm a hillbilly. I've been using that all my life. They, they immediately, they had kind of the response you did, but with kind of a sneer on their face. 
You know, like, this guy's a knucklehead. So uh, they told me, you know, it means, like, trash something or throw it away, like, yeet. And I was like, okay, I'm glad you told me before I come into one of your meetings. And somebody goes, yeet. And I go, no, not yet. Let's go. So when we try to take a word from one generation to the next generation or one culture to another culture, sometimes we have a breakdown in what the word means, don't we? So I think that's the case with this word gentleness. We're understanding, we're trying to understand a word the Apostle Paul wrote under the direction of the Holy Spirit. So pretty good authority there, okay? He wrote a word in the Greek language that worked to communicate what the Holy Spirit wanted communicated. But in English, I think we have migrated and we've made gentleness maybe be something different than it originally was or earlier in our history that it might have been. So let's look at this in Galatians 5, verse 22, verse 23. Let's read the passage again. We've been hearing it week after week, but let's be reminded, okay? The Apostle Paul, guided by the Holy Spirit, says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, but means there was a whole list before that, of things that sinful things that the flesh would do, the person in the flesh would do. And then the Apostle Paul says, but in contrast to that, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. Pastor Charlie shared with us that he believes the fruit of the Spirit is love, and these other eight things in the list are manifestations of God kind of love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control, against such things there is no law. That means there is no one who would say to you, hey, those are bad things. So what, uh, what is gentleness? If, we, if we're going to find out about it, I'm, I'm going to answer, attempt to answer three questions today. One, what is gentleness? So we have an understanding. And if it's a desirable thing, then how do I obtain that? How do I get it? If I, if I decide I want that, how do I get it? And then the third question is, what will gentleness, if I have that characteristic, what will it cause me to do or be? Okay? I think those are fair enough questions. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. So what is gentleness? The Greek word that uh, is usually translated as gentleness or meekness. Remember, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Greek originally. I don't know Greek, but I have paid good money for software in English that tells me what the Greek word means, okay? So I'm not smart enough to read Greek, but I am almost smart enough to understand English on most days. So it's translated as gentleness in some translations, as meekness in other translations. Let's look at dictionary.com. Word nerd that I am, I always go to a dictionary. So gentle... From dictionary.com, now I didn't go to the Oxford Dictionary, but I went to dictionary.com because it's so quick, it's right on my phone, I can get it. It's, and dictionary.com says gentle means this, kindly, amiable, not violent, mild, easily handled or managed. The word meek means this, 
humbly patient or docile. Ever how you say that? Docile, docile, overly submissive or compliant. Now, I have to confess, I've never really had much desire to allow the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit in my life because of the understanding I've had. I would read that and I would go, love, yes, joy, peace, patience, well, maybe, kindness, gentle, you know, and I get to gentleness and it's kind of like, meh, uh, what is that? Uh, and I'll just go on to something else. So when Pastor Charlie assigned me this particular sermon uh, while he was gone, I was excited about getting to share with you. I wasn't that thrilled about the word gentleness. Um, uh, even though it was a you know, word nerd kind of assignment, I wasn't excited until I began to read the, the research, the bit of research Pastor Charlie had already done. He said, do you want, I don't have that sermon written, but I have some, uh, some research done on it. Uh, are you interested in that? And I said, absolutely. Reading through what he had already written, I came across part of a definition uh, of the Greek word and that caught my attention. Actually, it captured me. And that was all I needed to be launched on a search. And I began to understand what gentleness was and how for the 64 years of my life, I've not understood what the Bible is talking about at this point. So let's make some notes here, all right? First, Gentleness is not a couple of things. Let's get this out of the way. It's not weakness. Uh, the, the definition of, of gentleness and, and meekness that I read to you earlier seem to suggest weakness, but it's not that overly compliant person that I described in that definition. It's not the person who's too weak-willed to do anything about truth if truth is being violated or to try to set things right. It is not that person. It's not weakness, okay? It's not apathy. Uh, the earlier definition also said docile, to just too lazy to even care what happens or what gets done in God's kingdom. It's not that. It's not the person who says, I don't care what God really wants. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and watch it happen. It's not that at all. So what is it? Here it is. Jot these notes down, whether you're taking it on version or on a hard copy or however you're taking notes, get this down because I dare say you're in the same category that I have been for a long time, and that is I didn't understand all that this word from the Greek language that the Apostle Paul wrote in translated into English is supposed to mean and be. It is this, an inward attitude of gracious submission toward God, first and foremost. Now, there's more. But I always thought it was just uh, don't care, kind of sit back, I'll let you do anything to me, I won't react, I won't respond. But it's an inward attitude of gracious submission to God. And then let me expand on that. And if you're a note taker, get some of this down. As a result of that inward attitude then a person chooses to not resist God's will. And that same person, because of submitting graciously to God, also considers God 
as truly good in all his ways. Are you tracking? I thought gentleness was just a sit back, let people do whatever thing they want to you and not resist. But this speaks of my relationship to God and it's very actively choosing to have certain beliefs that I will die on. I choose to not resist God's will. I choose to consider God as truly, absolutely good in all his ways. Then, let's talk about what happens because of that. Then the inward life, and this is just a paragraph I wrote as I studied all of this, okay? Then the inward life that gentleness produces will result in outward responses and actions toward other people. That is translated fruit of the Spirit. That that will bring glory to God and not to me. So you see, this is not some milk toast kind of a thing, wimpy kind of thing. If I don't understand that, then when I get to this word gentleness, I'll believe that the Holy Spirit wants to turn me into some weak need, spineless wimp. And that's not the case at all. So, let's imagine if the Apostle Paul came and he stood here or he came and sat in the worship service. And he obviously understands and understood Greek, okay? He wrote in that. Uh, but let's, let's assume that he also... Over in this other culture, our culture has as, as good an understanding of English as all of us do, okay? And so he's sitting here, and I begin to read that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I think the Apostle Paul, if he were following along, when I got to that word, gentleness, and he had a good understanding of English, he would go, start looking around for people to object. I think he would have... The same kind of response. I, I'm not a huge movie buff, but I, there's some oldies that I've, you know, watched classics over the years. One of the classics for me is the movie The Princess Bride. Any, how many of you know The Princess Bride? Come on, be honest. Okay, the rest of you, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go directly to Netflix or something like that and watch The Princess Bride. It's like 1980-something. I don't know. It's really old. But, and the, and the clue ahead of time is the story is not about the fairy tale story. It's about the grandpa and the kid, okay? Uh, get the right story. But there's this little character in there, a little short guy, no hair on top, called Vizzini. He's a crook. And he keeps doing bad things. And ultimately, he's, he captures, kidnaps Princess Buttercup. And he's escaping. And uh, Wesley, you know, the knight in shining armor kind of guy, it continues to pursue and pursue and pursue. And they keep trying to get rid of him. They keep trying to kill him. They keep trying to bump him off. And at every point, Wesley survives. And this little guy, Vizzini, keeps saying, inconceivable, over and over and over. He's saying, inconceivable. And finally, Inigo Montoya, the Spaniard who's with him, looks at him, and he says, you keep using that word. I do not think that word means what you think it means. I think the Apostle Paul would do that to us today. He would stand up, and he would say, Pastor Dwayne, 
You keep using that word. I do not think that word means what you think it means. I think then he would proceed to say, here's what it means. Let me rerun the definition, my expanded definition for you. Gentleness is an inward attitude of gracious submission toward God. As a result, a person chooses to not resist God's will, and they choose to consider God as truly good in all his ways. The inward life it produces will result in an outward response and action. We'll get to those in a little bit. That will minister to others in a positive way and bring great glory to God. Now, now that I have a better understanding of what it means, I have decided, and I hope today you will decide, that I want gentleness. I want the Holy Spirit to create this fruit, to grow this fruit in my life. Second question, how do I get this? How do I obtain gentleness? I've decided I want it. Now I need to know about it. I need to know how to get it. Do I just sit in my chair quietly in the morning doing my Bible study, life journaling, and it just drops on me all of a sudden? Or am I walking down the street and I run into it? It just happens to me. I don't think that's the case. Here's what, here's what I think we can do. Very simple, very straightforward. But I think first I need to desire it. It's not a list that Pastor Charlie or I preach about and, and, and you go, oh, that sounds like a nice list. I think uh, today's September 1st, month of September is the month I'm going to try to get all nine of these things in my life. I'm going to work on it. Surely by end of September, I can have it. Uh, it's not just a little to-do list. I think it starts with a deep heart desire. And when we have that kind of desire, here's what the Scripture says will happen. Psalm 145, verse 19 says this. He, God, fulfills the desire of those who fear him. Fear is awe or reverence. So when we have a reverence for God, when we're in that kind of a standing with God, the things we desire will be the things in line with his will and he'll fulfill those. Proverbs 10.24 says it this way. What the wicked dreads will come upon him. That's the bad side of it. But, contrasting, the desire of the righteous will be granted. The righteous desires of the righteous person will be granted. So I need to desire these things. A deep heart kind of desire. I want that. And then I believe we need to pursue it. I need to get up out of that easy chair and go after it. First uh, Timothy 6.11 says it this way. But as for you, O man of God, this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to young Timothy, a young pastor. And so he's telling him, here's what you need to do. Flee these things. He's just written things that are not good for him to be involved in. He says, then pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Pursue means go after them, run after them hard uh, and a, a strong effort. And I believe that that desire and that holy pursuit will result in God granting us that fruit of the Spirit He wants to grow in our lives. Third question, what will gentleness cause me to do? I kind of want to know before I get into this, I'm like you, or I'm like most of you, um, I'd, I'd like to know. Before I jump off this cliff, is it going to cause me to do something crazy? So, 
Um, now, before, before I began this study, I had an answer to that question. What will gentleness cause me to do? My answer was this, nothing. It will turn me into a sweet, milk-toast person with no drive or, will, or no willpower to accomplish anything. That was my thought process. But I was wrong. The Bible clearly teaches that gentleness accompanies certain activities and causes certain activities. It's not that do-nothing kind of characteristic of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So let's look. I'm going to give you five things that I've found from Scripture. These aren't the only things that the Holy Spirit will do when, when we allow Him to grow the fruit of gentleness in us. But these are some significant things that He wants to do in our lives. Here we go. The first is submit to the Lord. Now, it's in the definition, that expanded definition that I gave you. We're graciously submitting to the Lord and believing that he's good in all his way. It's, it's Lord, I, I trust every decision you make on my behalf. You're absolutely good. You're absolutely holy. And you'll always do what's best for me. Now, anyone who thinks the person who adopts that kind of mindset is a wimp has never tried following God in that fashion. It's not a wimpy do-nothing. When we make that kind of a pledge to the Lord, it is serious. God will do some amazing things. Second thing, when we allow God to grow the fruit of gentleness in us, it will cause us to put up with other people. That's just a simple phrase. And you say, well, I put up with them anyway. Let's look at what Scripture says about putting up with people. The Scripture says it this way, bearing with each other, but that, that's what we would call, hey, I'm, I'm just putting up with this guy. He's driving me crazy. The Ephesians 4, the first two verses, says it this way. The Apostle Paul writing says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, he's writing this church in Ephesus from prison. So he's not in the lap of luxury. He's reminding them, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. You know what he's saying? Hey, you're Christians, you're born-again believers, act like it. Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness and patience. Gentleness is right in the middle of the things you need in order to do the rest of this. Bearing with one another in love. There's the difference. We put up with people bearing with one another. We put up with people all the time. But the Bible tells us if we have humility, gentleness, and patience, that will cause us, gentleness is one of the characteristics that will cause us to actually put up with other people and love them. Now, you know and I know we put up with a lot of people that we don't care one bit about. We could not say for one second we truly love them. Now, there are a bunch of people in our lives that we would say we love and we're putting up with stuff from them. But the Bible says we can do it in love. And I think somehow that's different than saying, well, I really love that person, but they drive me nuts. No, I think this is we put up with their stuff, and we love them so much. We, we want to help them walk toward God. We'll care for them. We'll shepherd them. We'll encourage them. We'll truly love them. Third thing that gentleness will cause me to do, according to Scripture, 
That is, and this is a biggie in my mind, and it's big with Scripture, work for unity with others, with others in the church, in the body of Christ. When I say the body of Christ, I'm talking about those who have been born again, given their life to Jesus, who are in the Lord's church, okay? Work for unity with others. Here's what I say all the time. Unity is a big deal to God. See, unity is not always agreeing with each other. We often think, well, if you have great unity, that means everybody agrees. Not true. That's not a biblical definition or picture of unity at all. Unity is us always agreeing with God. And when we have a disagreement with each other, we will work to find God's will in that, and we'll sacrifice our opinion and our will and let His will be the one that is done so that in the body of Christ there is unity. In the Gospel of John it says, this is how everybody will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you have deep love. So unity takes a lot of work. Ephesians 4.3, finishing the sentence right after what I just read a moment ago. Ephesians 4.3, the Apostle Paul goes on and he says this after he said with all humility and patience, uh, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, verse 3 goes on to say, eager, that is hurrying, eager to maintain, that means to guard, eager, hurrying to guard the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, does that sound like some lazy wimp to you? It says, when we have gentleness, humility, gentleness, patience, we will be eager We'll hurry. We'll rush toward the opportunity to maintain unity in the church. And we're the church. The church is not the building. So unity takes swimming upstream, going against the flow, doing the hard work, and not just keeping a false peace, but doing the work to have truth and unity. Fourth thing. Gentleness will cause me to restore others. It's sad when one of our Christian brothers or sisters falls off the wagon, whether they abandon their marriage, whether they do something that lacks integrity, lie, cheat, steal, or they fall out of love with the, the church and they decide that, the, the, that gathering together and worshiping and fellowshipping with others is not where it's at, or they harm themselves or their family, whatever it is that causes them to kind of fall off the way, fall out of the way, step out of bounds. It's even more tragic than that if we, as those who are close friends to that person, a brother or sister in Christ, do nothing about it and just let them go. Galatians 6.1 comments about this. Again, this is the Apostle Paul writing to another church in Galatia, and he says this, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, that's just a big word that means if somebody is caught sinning, doing wrong, doing harm, you who are spiritual, that doesn't mean the hyper-spiritual who think they're spiritual. He's saying those of you who are born again, those of you who are Christians, should restore him or her in a spirit of, say the word with me, gentleness. We should Restore. It's imperative. 
He doesn't say, consider it, maybe, think it over. He says, this is what you should do. You should restore this person. And a spirit of gentleness is what it takes to do that restoration. So it's almost an oxymoron here where that gentle person, the one who has that spirit of gentleness, is the one who will be absolutely compelled to go restore this person who's fallen by the way. Now think with me. Every one of us have had times when we're the one who steps out of bounds, right? Every one of us. How good is it when somebody who cares deeply about us? But because when, when we've stepped out of bounds, because Jesus Christ lives in us, the Holy Spirit lives in us, we know that we know that we know we're out of bounds. And it's not a happy place to be. It's not a fun place to be. We've gotten there for whatever reason. We've made decisions that put us there. How good is it when I know that some of you or someone who cares about me pursues me and helps me be restored to where God wants me to be? They're not concerned about restoring me to where they think I should be. They're concerned about restoring me to where God wants me to be. So they're going to encourage and help me and hold me and pick me up Wash the mud off of me, whatever it takes, so that I get back to a place of being restored. I need those kind of gentle people in my life who will, will be so submitted to the Lord, they'll never give up on helping me. And you need those people in your life too, don't you? So, that's the fourth thing. The last one I want to share with you is this. When I allow the Holy Spirit to grow the fruit of gentleness in me, I will share my faith with others. Listen, there's nothing more loving and often more frightening than to share our faith with another person, especially someone who is either cynical or critical of the Christian faith. But the fact remains, every person on the face of the earth has sinned and needs forgiveness. God said that. I didn't. And every person needs to experience the personal love of Jesus Christ. And many people don't know the, tr the truth about the free grace that Jesus Christ offers. They still think, when they, if they believe there's a God, they still think he's ticked off at them and they're on a treadmill. And they're just running, 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 running. They're working themselves half to death trying to prove to God that they deserve to be considered when he comes to his kingdom. Excuse me for a moment. Pastor Charlie's had a cough forever. I put this microphone on last night. It says pastor on it. And within five minutes, I, I had a coughing fit right down here in front at the 5 o'clock service. And I said, somebody needs to cast out the bacteria from this microphone that's what's doing it. Every time Pastor Charlie puts it on, it makes him cough. But so today is much better than last night. So maybe it's not the microphone, but I'm going to blame it. Anyway, every person, every person, every person needs that free grace that Jesus Christ offers. Here's what the Apostle Peter said to believers. He says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense. That is, 
to tell people who disagree with or don't understand this Christianity thing, you need to be ready to tell them, to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. Yet, do it with what? Gentleness and respect. When I share the good news of Jesus with people, whether they're receptive, whether they're cynical, whether they're critical, I am compelled by the Holy Spirit, the gentleness and respect that the Holy Spirit will create in my life, I'm compelled to keep sharing how much Jesus loves that person. So I confessed at the beginning that I wasn't interested in this thing, gentleness, before I started this study. But I'm absolutely compelled that I need this gentleness. I shared the definition with you, that inward attitude of submission that always believes God is truly good in his will. And I realize the things, the list I just shared with you that it will cause me, cause you to do. And so here's what I would say. Now, gentleness sounds like the person I want to be. I want gentleness. I need Holy Spirit-given gentleness. You know why? Not because I want to sit on the sidelines, but because I want to make a difference in this world. And I cannot do it without allowing the Holy Spirit to grow gentleness in me. Would you pray with me, please? Bow your heads, close your eyes.